Welcome to Eurodollar University with Jeff Snyder. My name is Emil Kalinowski. We're joined by special guest, Steve Van Meter. Steve, last we talked on this show, we made predictions, you and I, about inflation. I said it would just peter out slowly for the next 12 months until June, July, but still remain relatively elevated. You were saying recession, probable, and therefore be on the lookout for a sharp contraction in inflation. Then we turned to Jeff and we said, Jeff, what's your prediction? And of course he demurred. He said, no, it'll be one of your two. He never makes a prediction. But ladies and gentlemen, I have found two predictions in Jeff's recent writing. One is about Japan and the other one is about oil. Well, the articles are about Japan and oil. And in there, he made a prediction unbeknownst to him. So, Jeff, let us start out. We're going to go over a data update. Tell the audience what you do for Steve uh, and the people that sign up for your and Steve's uh, website. What you do with the data that comes out daily, you do a little summary and then an interpretation. We'll talk about oil. Yeah, at marketsinsiderpro.com, you get a daily briefing of, you know, major economic data as well as some major market movements or major market interpretations. You know, just a brief one page summary, some charts on each of these topics every day because there's all sorts of stuff going on. And so we try to keep everybody uh, up to date on what's happening in the world in economics, macro and money. Excellent. So we're going to talk about oil. And Jeff, why is oil important? Not only because it's key energy use and that permeates consumer prices, whether it's direct or indirect, it's baked into all the goods and services that we consume. But also you say that it's at the intersection of the real economy and money. And we can learn from the curve of oil futures markets about the direction the global economy is heading. Tell us why you brought oil to our attention right now. Oil is always, as you said, Emil, you know, it's the lifeblood of the economy. Everybody knows that. But the oil futures market is interesting because it is it is the confluence of all these major factors. But it's also grounded in the physical world because these are physically settled contracts. These are not cash settled. These are not, you know, virtual contracts where you actually have physical oil that needs to be delivered or and needs to be received at some place in, in the around the world. So it's an intersection between real economy fundamentals, which are supply versus demand, because somebody who's buying the oil has to either get, use it right away or find a place to store it. And this is, you know, again, physical commodity. But there's also the uh, included in that there's a third fundamental that I think people don't necessarily appreciate as much as they should, which is money and finance. And so what we've seen over the last couple months in particular, ever since oil hit that second top in uh, what was that, April or May, whatever it was, or June, got up to one hundred and twenty some dollars a barrel. Ever since then, the initial sell off in June the WTI, the oil futures curve, the entire curve came down. It was liquidated. It didn't change shape very much. So it was enormously steep in backwardation, which said that the fundamentals of the oil marketplace were still too tight supply because backwardation means you're, you're rewarding destocking. You're rewarding the market to use oil very quickly and not put any into storage. That's what a steep backwardated curve means. And so the sell-off, that initial sell-off between, uh, I think it was, you know, around mid-June until mid-July, the curve remained very steeply backward dated, which was 
The market's sort of saying, we're not really looking at a different fundamental. There's no, no, no changes in supply, not really changes in demand, which leads us to the third fundamental, which had to have been money. There was a, there was an illiquidity and air pocket in the global marketplace, which we know from other sources like treasury bills and other markets, uh, you know, major sell off in commodities, other commodities, as well as even stock markets, currencies. A lot of things happened at that time that corroborates the picture from the oil market, which said, the initial sell-off was all about money and liquidation. But since the middle of July, that kind of changed where the actual curve has shifted. Instead, we're seeing the, the uh, very steep backwardation quickly dissipate and the curve is starting to flatten out. And even in its front end, which is the really important part, the first couple of months of the contracts um, have gotten very close to, you know, within sight of maybe flipping into contango again which to me is a very key, a crucial signal about these fundamental properties of the oil market. So that's the, really the story here is that we had the money, we had the liquidation, and now we have the market seemingly rethinking the uh, physical supply and demand properties, which means not really about supply, must be about demand. Steve, Jeff mentioned backwardation and contango. These things always confuse me. It's always hard to keep in mind. Do you ever discuss this on your show? And how do you keep it straight? How do you explain it to your audience? Which one is which? What it might mean? Do you have a handy mnemonic of some sort? I don't. We, we don't get into deep uh, the oil market that deep because what I want people to understand it, I want them to have a very, very broad approach because you know how do most people interact with the energy market? They drive down the street, their tank is low, they look at gas prices at every corner and pick the one that's, you know, usually the cheapest price. So what I want people to understand is, you know, you look at economic expansions, they're born on cheap energy. They end when energy prices get too high, and then that feeds back into consumer prices. And of course, as we know, if when wages don't keep up with it, then all of a sudden the economy starts to slow. So a lot of people, you know, you hear in the news, and this is what was troubling. You see, oh, oil prices have come down a little bit. Gas prices have come down. Economic boom is coming because, boy, everybody's got a few bucks more in their pocket. And, boy, they're going to go out and spend. And yet, if you watch the data over time, and, and this is where we talk about on this show a lot, is the fact that, you know, you hear these policymakers and pundits talking about what you should be viewing it as. But in the real world, you know, your own personal finances, you see it differently. And why is that? Because what we're seeing right now in the oil market as price comes down, it's an indicator that the global economy is slowing. As Jeff said, there's something going on. Demand is slowing. The curves are starting to change. What people should view this is as the demand is slowing, economy is slowing down. And that's not actually good. We actually want to see the exact opposite. Jeff, we're looking at that graph right now that you've got in your article here. And we've got a one month forward spread and a three month spread as well. And so for the audience, what is that exactly? We're saying the price right now compared to the price a month from now, the price right now compared to the price three months from now. And when we are in backwardation, that is the market saying, I will pay you a lot, a lot. I'll pay you a lot more money for that barrel of oil today. Right yeah. now, we need the supply. Three months from now, a year from now, I'll give you less money for it. And then Contango is the opposite. It's the market saying, we'll call you. I don't want your barrel of oil. I'll give you a buck for it now. But if you give it to me in three months or six months or 12 months, I'll give you five bucks for it. Obviously, 
the example, the prices I'm using are ridiculous, but keep the supply, don't bring it, or yes, we need it immediately. And that translates into economic outlook, right? Exactly. And then you can look at that contango versus backwardation and get a sense of what the market is thinking about the near term supply versus demand fundamentals. So just back into, you know, April and May in the middle first part of June, the level of backwardation was just grotesque. It was huge, which said there was absolutely no profit in storing oil. The market wanted the oil today. Don't put it in storage. We need it right now. Because Russia invaded the Ukraine, Belarus as well. We didn't know if there was going to be any oil available. What in the world is going to be happening? We need that oil right now. As tight as supplies had been before, then all of a sudden we got that shock, which means even more, uh, more oils moved from the global market. So huge premium for anybody who had any spare oil anywhere in the world, sell it into the marketplace today. That's what the steep backwardation said. And But there was that initial panic and then steadily towards a more normal or towards contango. Is that overstating it towards contango more towards a more normal market, which once things settled from March to May, we were coming off the panic. But Jeff, what happened from May to mid-July? Backwardation, rally. That would suggest what that we it would suggest at the surface level that the economy is taking off. It's booming. We need supply right now. We're going to invest into the future, into goods and services. But from all our other monetary measures, no, it was the opposite was happening. So tell us, Jeff, why were we surging into backwardation from May to July just when really? things were turning south? Yeah, it wasn't demand that was picking up. It was the concerns about not just the low level of supply in the U.S., low level of supply in OPEC. Remember OPEC saying, we don't really have a whole lot more to give you. And then on top of that, we had Russia removing a lot more supply. And then the Europeans threatening at some point later in the year, we're going to remove even more of Russian supply. So it was all the, on the supply side. Everybody was, hey, supply is low now. It's not keeping up now. And there's a prospect for even less supply over the months ahead. So the knee-jerk reaction in the oil market was, that massive steepness and backwardation, which said, we just want any oil that you can possibly give us right now, because we can't even think about six months from now, because we have no idea what the supply is going to look like six months from now. So let's get every little bit of oil that we can. And it, you know, it was essentially a short run fluctuation panic over the potential lack of supply the rest of the year. And now we're looking at the graph again. Since mid-July to present, though, we're falling away. That has Ex, ex, that backwardation has evaporated now. And you say in here, Steve, I'm going to read this out to you. You tell me if this is not a prediction. I can't ask Jeff. He's not an independent third party. Quote, should the curve shift into contango as it nearly did in mid-April? As I've written, this would be a crucial confirmation of not just recession, but also timing. He's predicting he's yes, the recession is going to be happening. Steve, am I being unfair? No, I mean, in fact, as predictions go, I mean, that one I'm, I wrote in my book. I mean, that that's as solid a prediction as I've ever heard in my life right there, written by the man himself. And there's no question because you know, what is How Jeff is trying to tell you? You're predicting a that's recession. Not a prediction. That just says if this happens, then something else will happen. That's I'm not saying this will happen. All right. What do you mean by timing, Jeff? 
not only are you saying there's a crucial confirmation of the recession, but also the timing. I don't understand that part. The flip, the flip from backwardation and contango has preceded downturns pretty regularly. Um, I'm thinking Feb- late February of 2020, just before the COVID shutdown, the oil curve flipped from backwardation, modest backwardation into steep contango, which was the oil market preparing for what would eventually happen in the COVID shutdowns and everything else. Um, think about 2018, for example. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was October, early November, somewhere in that time frame when what we call the landmine was taking place. The oil market flipped from backwardation into contango which was the global marketplace saying supplies of what it's going to be. Demand is now uh, in question. And so this contango means we're going to reward producers for putting oil into storage because we don't think that it's going to be needed because the global economy is going to fall off. Obviously, you go back to the big oil crisis in 2014 to flip from backwardation to contango. Middle of that year preceded the global downturn, which was in many ways severe very severe around much of the rest of the world, if not quite in the United States. So the flip from backwardation into contango because of demand, changes into the perceptions and demand has been a reliable indicator for, okay, maybe downturn into, yes, definitely something else. Something solid is definitely going on here. So in this environment, I think it would be even more compelling because the supply story has been the story over the last couple of years. And for the curve to overcome a constrained supply situation and flip into backwardation, I think it's even more compelling than the, than the quote unquote normal uh, switch into contango. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's really the, the whole idea here is, are we just seeing a brief pullback because of oversupply? You know, maybe because of, you know, what there was all this demand for oil. And now as a market saying, wait, wait, hey, you know what, maybe you oversupply us a little bit. And puts them into storage. And this is just a brief temporary period. Or do we start looking at other things like the yield curve, the euro dollars futures curve and say, wait a minute, is this just another piece in the puzzle that tells us that no, something bigger is actually going on here? Or is this just, you know, in Fed speak, just a transitory <laughs> blip in the oil market? And I think what Jeff's trying to suggest here is that we, in context of all these bigger and indi- other indicators, it does look like this is a broader slowdown occurring. In a preceding note, right before the oil discussion, Jeff talks about what happened in Japan in the second quarter. The GDP estimate came out and Jeff, you explained that Japan is caught between being released from its COVID shackles, but into a global slowdown. So it's a bit of a mixed picture. There's some growth, but is that all that's going to happen? And again, I say, I write, wow, Jeff predicting. And here's what you write, quote, then global recession from Q2 onward is even here the most likely outcome. Steve, another, that's a prediction, right? Global recession, <laughs> two articles in a row, Jeff saying recession going to happen. That's not much of a prediction. If it's a prediction, it's not much of a I think you, I think that's overstating it a little. Yeah, I think, Emil, what a lot of people don't know is I have a logbook of just predictions. And boy, that is that went boom, right into the book. That's solid prediction. We're headed to a recession. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to the bank on that deal for sure. <laughs> Seriously, Jeff, you don't make predictions. And not just in these two articles, but you have been, you've accepted was- the idea of recession <laughs> as happening. You lock it in. I, was, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said that um, prophecy is the least profitable occupation. 
So <laughs> I, I think those are very wise words, especially in the dynamic world that we live in, knowing that we don't have a crystal ball. It's very difficult to make predictions. And so I think our job, and I think we do it relatively well, is more about describing the, cur- the, the current situation as well as maybe the past and getting the past right so that people can have enough information about what's re- what we think is really happening. They can make their own forecasts and predictions. They don't need us to do it for them. So I'm not really sure I'm making predictions here. And I don't think it's really that much of one. I think if you go out in the public and ask them, you know, use the word recession, you do that last year and people would have laughed in your face because red hot economy, CPIs, all that stuff. But this year, I think most of the public, certainly in the United States, a good chunk of the public anyway, would say, yeah, I think that's probably a likely case. So it's I don't think I'm not necessarily believe it's that much of a prediction either. I mean, all sorts of evidence for it, including Japan, which I mean, Japan, as you said, Emil, they have, you know, Japan was never locked down the way that other countries were. But there were always there's been an emergency situation and the Japanese have been you know, good little citizens and obeying their government restrictions for this the whole time up until recently. So the Japanese economy, more than any of the other major economies, has not recovered from the 2020 shutdowns. And so you would think now would be the time for that sucker to pop right back up because this is the first time in two years where they really haven't had that emergency. And instead, you get kind of a little upside to it, which suggests that there's There's obviously some other counterbalancing forces, which, as you mentioned, Emil, global recession around the rest of the world, as well as, let's face it, I mean, the Japanese are now starting to feel the impact of consumer prices in their own economy. I mean, you're paying 50% more for oil on a yearly basis to get basically the same amount. Eventually, that's going to feed through as a harmful negative economic impact. So Japan should be rapidly growing because of reopening after two years, all that pent up demand. And there is some of that taking place in consumer spending in particular, but it's really not that much. While Japanese businesses who have been squeezed at the margins are saying we're not investing. And so it's kind of the tug of war there between two opposing forces. I'm thinking of going to Japan next year in August. So if there are any listeners out there right now in Japan, please leave a comment in the comment section. Steve, any final thoughts in today's episode, a prediction perhaps? Yeah, I think this is more about probabilities, and that's what we're looking at. You know, we're hearing from the Fed, we hear from the White House, we hear from pundits that, hey, this is just a minor slowdown from just a way overheated economy. And, and we're not sure why it got overheated, because we really didn't, we didn't, we didn't do dump any stimulus. And it's like, hey, I don't know what you're all talking about. But is this a mild pullback? Or are all these indicators, as we're talking about, just pieces of a bigger picture that are saying, look, we may be headed into a global recession. And if we are, it's your duty as an investor or business person, you know, just manager of your household finance, maybe to look at this, make some changes and prepare yourself for what's about to come. Uh, Jeff, any final words, any predictions about where the gold price will be next week? Yeah, I'm going to say I predict that I'm going to be very careful about not making prediction in my work for the next little while, knowing that you guys are watching it like a hawk. Like I said, you know, prediction is very difficult. Steve said we're, we try to couch it in the language of probabilities, but there are times when you have to say, look, the probabilities are here. They're here. They're here. They're here. They're everywhere. And so it's not really that much of a stretch to say, yeah, this is a this is a very likely case. And this kind of sounds like a prediction and maybe in one sense it is. But when you start seeing recession, what's the old expression? When it walks like a recession, when it quacks like a recession, it's obviously a duck full of recession. So, I mean... That's kind of the likeliest path moving forward here. 
And if the, okay. the oil market does flip into contango, maybe then I'll make some predictions. Then we can book it. All right. Excellent. All right. Talk to you guys next week. Okay, Emil. Take care. Thanks, Emil. 